This week on The Midweek Move, we're going to be talking about a line of scriptures that some say is in contrary to the teachings of Paul. But what if we told you they're not, but rather they're actually quite in line with the teachings of Paul? Let's talk about that today on The Midweek Move. the Midweek Move podcast where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what does it actually mean? I'm Dallas. I'm so glad to have you guys here with us today. And uh, joining me as we continue throughout the, the James chapter two is our lead pastor here at The Healing Place, Scott Etheridge. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I uh, am really excited about uh, this portion of James. Yeah. And uh, I love the fact that we're taking our time mm-hmm. and we're just kind of navigating through it a little bit, mm-hmm. not trying to rush through it, not trying to uh, pass by verses that really, really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think our discussion last week was really awesome in that frame of reference for the scripture. But this week um, might be some really interesting discussion. <laughs> there could be. Well, since you brought up last week, could you remind our, our listeners? Kind of briefly, what did we talk about last week? Yeah, so James was really dealing with uh, partiality, right? favoritism, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look in the header of your Bible, it probably says, beware, <laughs> personal favoritism. Right. Um, but what he was dealing with is that ascribing to Jesus their own partiality. Mm-hmm. And so they were showing partiality. They were... They were um, uh, to the to the rich and natural and the poor and natural that they were showing partiality to those that were rich mm-hmm. uh, in the natural and um, thinking they were being spiritual at the same yeah, time yeah and thinking they were being spiritual and and James kind of just deconstructs all that and just tears it all down right and basically takes them to the law but yet takes them straight to Jesus right. in the midst of all that and what Jesus taught and uh, we talked last week about. Uh, the words of James being very much a reflection of what he learned from Jesus mm-hmm. personally. Exactly. Eye to eye, witnessing it firsthand, not just what Jesus was telling him, but what Jesus modeled for him. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Well, let's get into this because, again, this is going to be uh, – there's some contention about this verses we're about to read. And uh, we're hoping that by the end of this that um, we've cleared up some mis- misunderstanding about it. And uh, that maybe it stirred something into you guys in a new way. So, Pastor, let's, let's start off with verse 14. All right, verse 14. Where are we going to go on this first part, Dallas? 14 to what? Let's just, let's just hit 14 on the front end. <laughs> okay, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? All right, cool. So here James begins down an interesting road of conversation. Does someone who claims to have faith yet does not demonstrate said faith really have saving faith? Faith. Now, some have suggested this verse is in contrary to the teachings of Paul from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10, which I'll read for us. Uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not uh, your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that none of you may boast. For we are the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the question becomes, does this stand in contrary to Paul's teachings, which come many years after the writing of James? Um, and I don't want us just you know, to answer right off the bat here. I'd like for you and I to kind of look at what the Scripture is saying a little bit more and then give the answer. Because, again, people look at this and they'd be like, oh, you have to earn your salvation. It's very clear what James is saying here. Right. 
But that's not what James is actually saying. <laughs> no. You want to go to verse 17? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. So if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what is a prophet? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. All right. So he's kind of, he's digging deeper into this conversation. Um, it's interesting when I'm studying this pastor, the, uh, the way, apparently the way the, the Greek read out within this passage, um, uh, this whole, um, uh, aspect that takes space about, um, giving them what they need, um, depart in peace, be warm and filled. It's not a, that's not like a set of greeting. It was almost a matter of the way they're saying it is, Hey, I know it's my job to make sure that as you walk away, that you're warm and that you have food, but I'm not going to do that. Go to somebody else. And so that, that's where he's bringing up this whole context uh, right here. But you uh, not giving them the things which are needed of the body, what does it profit? He's really saying, are you really doing, is that your faith really what it's supposed to be? Or are you just kind of passing it off? Are you ignoring the what faith is supposed to be in its fullness? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, immediately, you know, you, you pose the question, okay, what about... Um, is this in contradiction to what Paul taught? Mm -hmm. And you read Ephesians. But if we look at the overreaching of what Paul taught, and we even look to even what Peter taught, because Peter taught that you add to your faith mm -hmm. virtue. Right. You add to your faith. You add to your faith. Well, if it was faith alone, mm -hmm. right, you add to your faith. Paul is also the one who wrote in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit mm. is love, joy. That's work. That works out. That is an outworking of faith. Right. And and Paul is also the one, because you, you mentioned in Ephesians where it talked about walking in the Spirit, but he also said walking and living in the Spirit. Mm. He delineated those two things. One right. is a place of position, and one is an ongoing action. Right. So one is a position. Faith is a position. Mm -hmm. Putting your faith in Christ. But living it out is the works. Right. That's the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not works of the flesh. It's the fruit of the Spirit coming mm -hmm. out of you. So... Uh, I don't believe at all that that first part of James is in contradiction to what uh, to what Paul wrote. I believe that um, I believe that what James is saying is not that again people are going to take this and they're going to do whatever they want to with it because you've got now both of them. Oh yeah, it's all about works. It's all about works. Oh yeah, it's all. About, that's really not what James is saying right here. Right. Because, um, again, he says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He's saying that if it's true faith in Jesus, again, the teachings of James is always going back to Jesus. Right. If it's truly faith in Jesus, then there's going to be an outgrowth of that faith. Right. It won't just be faith alone. There will be action off of that faith. Right. Absolutely, there is a there is a fruit to everything that we that we do. Period. And if there's if you really have faith, there's fruit to it. Uh, verse eighteen um, says, "But someone someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works.'" James is pointing out the fact that look, 
I'm going to express the faith that I have. This yep. is the natural outgrowth. It's not that he's working to earn his salvation. It's not that he's trying to, you know, prove, you know, to everyone else. It's just this is the natural outgrowth of who I am. But his, but his words in verse 19 mm. destroys the argument. Okay. Because you believe that there is one God. Well, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Right. Even the demons have a belief, a faith. Mm-hmm. Even they and tremble. But look at the works that come out of them. That's not true faith. That's not faith in Christ. Right. It's 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 not rooted in the proper. Um, it's not rooted in the proper foundation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the proper foundation. Faith in Christ cannot help but produce works. Exactly. And basically, I, I remember years and years ago there was a. Uh, I think it was a. Maybe been a CD that was put out. Uh, I think I don't think it was an album, but it was a CD, <laughs> and it was called Silent Witness, and it was a musical composition from all these different genres of Christian music, and it was this whole thing about silent witnesses, and that always bothered me, because in a court of law, it's impossible for a witness to be silent. Mm. There is no evidence, right? If a witness is silent, yeah. yeah. There's no such thing as a silent witness in the kingdom of God. Yeah. There has to be action. Mm-hmm. It's either fruit of your life, it's fruit of your lips. Mm-hmm. It's it, it can't be silent exactly. or it's not faith. Right. It, it's not working out your faith with fear and trembling. It's not, it cannot be silent. And what James is saying here is like, okay, you say you believe in God, but there's no evidence of it. Exactly. You can say anything you want because James is also the one that talks about what comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And he's also the one that talks about two things coming out of your mouth. <laughs> exactly. And it can't be that way. Right. And what he's doing is bringing it all the way back to Jesus. If you're truly a follower of Jesus, this shouldn't be. Right. These two polar opposite things shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. That's hypocrisy. Right. And so when he says here, listen, you believe there is one God. Well, you do well. That's great. Mm -hmm. But even the demons believe and tremble. Right. So you, in my estimation, the issue was they were saying one thing and not doing the fruit of what they were saying. Exactly. Not just that. There seems to be a level of like the intellect. They know that Jesus is is the, the Savior. They know this information, but that information has not affected them. Right. Like back in James 1, he said, you know, rece- about receiving the word, we talked about how that receiving the word should change the way that we act. It should change the way we speak, the way we act, and the way we interpret the world ourselves. Yeah, knowledge not being the same as understanding. Exactly. And so I, it seems that they have confused knowledge with true saving faith. Yep. The demons know God is one. They, 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 he's quoting the, the Shema here. They know this, and they're trembling. That saved, they tremble. Their knowledge that God of who God is does not save them. Yep. There has to be more to it, which he kind of gets into a little bit here in uh, the next uh, several verses. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? I love this because he's going to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Peter in Acts chapter two. He did, he who's he talk about? David. Right. He goes to David. Right. Same thing when Jesus is talking. He goes back, or he goes to what would mean something to them. 
right? He didn't go to a Gentile and go, hey, Abraham, your father. No, that wouldn't have made no sense. Right. So James is like, was not Abraham our father, our father? He even puts himself in that category, which I love. Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Mm. So for those of that are listening to our podcast, maybe they're new to the faith, what does he talk about Abraham and his son in the altar? What's happened here? Can well, we know that, that Isaac was um, the son of promise. Right. They... It didn't look like they were going to have a son. It didn't look like there was going to be any. God had given Abram all these amazing promises. Right. And now there comes a point where it looks like it's not going to happen. But now, boom, all of a sudden, in their old age, they have a son. God's blessing them. God's doing it. And it's like, okay, this is the one. Mm -hmm. And then God asks for the one back. Right. It's almost like you pray for something and you receive it. And God says, oh, awesome. I gave you that. Now give it back to me. Mm. We can look at that as God being selfish, right? Right. Which in a sense, in the truest sense of the word selfish, no, but a jealous God, yes. Mm -hmm. Anything that would get in between you and God, he is going to be jealous of. Right. Because God created you for fellowship with him. Exactly. And God loves us so much that he wants to have relationship and fellowship with us. And the only way that that can happen is if there's no barriers. Right. And so... He asked for this son back, and he tells he gives Abraham a, a. I can't even imagine this. I can't imagine God asking me this question. Right. Because it wasn't just, "Hey, are you going to commit him to me in a dedication service at a <laughs> at a at a church?" Right. Where the pastor holds the baby, and you know, you significantly, you know. As a sign, you give your yeah. child to the pastor as if you're giving it to the Lord and all this other stuff. Right. Which there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. That's wonderful. I believe that needs to happen. It's a beautiful thing for a pastor to be able to do that. Sure. It's, a, it's awesome. But he says, I want you to slay him, sacrifice him, mm. just as if they would an animal, mm -hmm. to sacrifice to the Lord. Right. That was an act of dedication to the Lord. They were to take something that was valuable to them and give it to the Lord, mm -hmm. a first fruit offering. What is Abraham doing? It's a first fruit offering, this son. Mm -hmm. And go to the top of the mountain and slay your son. Yeah. And we know that Abraham um, says yes, and he's taking his son, and his son, I can't imagine this, but his son's like, hey, why, when are we going to do this? Why are we doing this? It's like, well, you're going to stop halfway up and go, oh, by the way, here's what the Lord says. Like, he gets him up there, he puts him on the altar, which, again, I can't imagine this. Right. And as he is about to, to, to plunge this knife into his son to dedicate it to the Lord, there's a ram in the thicket. Now, we know that that is significant of Jesus being the sacrifice, and we can get into the thicket with the crown of thorns and all those things. It's very significant. It's all significant. Right. But the fact that Jesus was the penalty for all of us. Right. And the firstborn, the first fruits, first fruits of all creation, all of those things and given for us, children of God. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, 
the backstory on that, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. There had to be a faith in God Mm -hmm. that God knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. This goes against everything in my DNA as a fleshly man and as a, as a dad to do this. Yeah. I can't do this, but God asked this of me. I have to have faith, Mm -hmm. but I also have to have action. Mm -hmm. Without the action, then there's no ram in the thicket. There's no true revelation. There's no understanding. There's no, without this, there is no Jacob fulfilling the true promise, which was the sand of the seas for Israel. Right. Jacob becomes Israel. And so uh, this is this is a pretty heavy-handed example for James to bring. Yeah. This had to be a sobering I mean, they're they're in contention with all this stuff, and they're having all these arguments. And again, their personal favorites. They got a lot of issues, right? <laughs> and and as it has to do with this, there's this argument about, hey, I've got faith, and I've got works, and I've got this, and it's almost the, uh, hey, Apollos, Paul, I've got this one, I've got this one. It's just the argument that goes on and on and on, even to this day. Mm-hmm. But man, he comes in with this heavy heavy-handed. And then he says, because Abraham didn't just believe, but he acted on it, it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Mm. Like, that's that's a very sobering landing place. Yeah. Because now it's not like just the God of heaven is just this God who's untouchable. But now, because of the works, because of the action of the faith— you're a friend of God. Yeah. Like, okay, I I have faith. Yeah, but are you willing to take the next step? Yeah. To to put that faith into action. Right. And to actually do something. I can believe God for anything. Mm-hmm. But can I believe God that I can actually be a part mm-hmm. of that? Like I can believe that God could do a miracle right now. But do I have the faith to believe that I can put an action to it yeah. and be a part of the miracle? Mm-hmm. Can I do that? Yeah. And I think sometimes we believe God for the impossible, but we fail to believe that we can actually do something that creates the impossible, mm. partnering with God. Exactly. God does the impossible, but we do the possible. Right. Well, what's the possible? That's a work. That's something we do. Yeah. If you give a cup of cold water to somebody in need, it's going to meet their need. But if you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, it's going to meet an eternal need. Exactly. Again, we're not saying that this is a matter of you have to work to earn your salvation. Nope. Verse 24, you see the man is justified by works and not by faith alone. I mean, these things are working in tandem together. And it's interesting because check out verse 25 where he brings in another interesting person. Likewise, would not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Right. Now, this is interesting to me because he starts by talking about the father of their faith, Abraham. Now he's bringing in a Gentile who was grafted into their faith. And they were grafting it that she had faith, but it was expressed through her actions of saving these spies. Again, there's this whole... And actually, with the backstory of saving her family. Right. That was the key, was that her family was going to be saved. That's true. The whole family was saved through her That's actions. Right. But what, again, it wasn't her actions 
it was her faith that they were working in tandem. Down to verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Again, we're not teaching that you have to earn your salvation. You have to no. work to earn these things. But what we, what the Bible teaches, what James is teaching us, what the Apostle Paul stood on, because, this came, because again, this was written before Paul was even a Christian. Uh, this was uh, Paul stood under James's teachings, is that if you're going to profess Christ, if you're going to claim to be someone who is walking in Jesus, there has to be biblical fruit that comes out of that. Yep. Something has to come out of this. Again, he's rebuking some individuals just beforehand about they're acting spiritual, but the fruit of what they're doing is not showing mercy to other people because they've not taken not humbled themselves and taken the word into their heart, which allowed it to affect their actions, their words, and how they're allowed the world to impact them. Indeed. So, Pastor, you got any last uh, thoughts before we uh, bring this to a close? I think, again, I just go to 2 Peter 1.5 mm-hmm. um, because Peter is is talking to them. Uh, he's talking to those who um, who had come into relationship with Christ, and he is talking to them about the promises of God, being partakers of the divine nature. And he says, "But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self control, self control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness." Which we also know in Galatians. Some of these are in the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's even Peter goes to the fact of listen, faith is one thing, but there has to be something that comes out of that. There has to be a fruit, right? And that fruit has to come from a source, and that source has to be Jesus, right? He is the source of all of it virtuous you can't just be virtuous on your own Mm -hmm. that comes from a place but it comes from a person yeah in jesus and i believe james is just solidifying that again he's not saying that our works save us right he's saying saving faith but in that faith there is going to come action right and a work absolutely so good well, guys, I hope this has encouraged you and challenged you. If it has, reach out to us, mediahub at thbshreveport.com. Find us on social media. Find us on Facebook. Look for Midweek Move. If it hasn't, put it in the recycle bin. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And so, hey, join us next week. We're going to have uh, our friend Ben Schmaltz from Gateway Church. He's going to be with us talking about James chapter 3. Super excited about having him back on the show. Uh, but we want to hear from you. And we want to, legitimately, how can we pray with you? How can we help you guys take your next step with your walk with God? So until next time, have a great week.